1: It's our 18th Character Evolution Cast episode, everyone. This episode is going to be all about utilizing the right tools for the job when it comes to expanding your campaign story. But before we get to that, we've got some announcements.
0: First up is a Descent Into Midnight Kickstarter update, (laughs) because we're not going to shut up about it.
1: (laughs) Never. Um, You can't make us.
0: As of the release of this episode, there will be 20 days left to get your hands on this phenomenal game. They have blown through two of their stretch goals, um, and every $5,000 from here, they'll be locking in another session for the steampunks to play um, their Descent Into Midnight campaign. Mm -hmm. It would be really cool to see what a long-form version of this game might sound like, so please help make that happen if you can. Um, This is... you know what? I, I'm I'm not gonna continue to tell you about how great this game is. Yeah, you've heard it. Yeah, you are. all <laughs> before. It's, oh my god, it's so good! It's so good! Oh my gosh! Every time I'm like, every time I interact with this game, I'm like more excited mm-hmm. about it. Um, I recently got my tax return, and I was like, heck yes, I'm gonna up. Gonna up my pledge to that like very nice limited edition copy. Uh huh,
1: absolutely. Um, oh, gosh, which I before so that was beautiful. like,
0: oh, I don't know, I shouldn't. And then I was like, you know what?
1: Do it. Nah, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do
0: it. I can't say no to it.
1: That is a beautiful like hardcover, like deep blue, silver, like oh my uh, gosh,
0: and like Devin's art on the front. Yeah, and like, give me, give me, yep. Oh my gosh! Give me that good, good game.
1: And uh, just recently on uh, the uh, Taylor's uh, podcast, uh, the Game Closet, mm-hmm. uh, they released a world building and character build, uh, character creation episode of Descented Midnight with uh, Rich Howard at the helm. uh yes. Cat Cool, DC, <laughs> Devin George, and uh, Richard Twice Landry.
0: I know. I gotta listen to it. I'm yeah. I haven't gotten to it yet, but like, ugh, what I, a good group. I am halfway
1: through and they're they are just blowing my mind left and right.
0: Yeah, from what I've heard from Devin, it's phenomenal.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. I am i I'm waiting with bated breath for the actual play of that session. And I hope it comes soon because my goodness. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, aside from Descent in a Minute, there is a lot going on in February. Um, it seems to be the month of the Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so we mentioned in this very episode that you're about to listen to uh, one other Kickstarter that's wrapping up soon. Uh, for di- Two.
0: We mentioned two. Oh,
1: yeah, we do mention two Kickstarters. We
0: do mention two Kickstarters. Oh, goodness so.
1: gracious. There's so many. Yeah. So keep keeping your ear out for those. Uh, but one I'd love to point out right now that we don't mention is a game by Kevin Petker. Uh, Who designs another game that we're talking about this episode Uh, He is releasing Princess World uh, Which is a PBTA game And uh, he started designing this game After having a discussion with his daughter Asking her what sort of game she would want to play Oh cool So he literally, like the the nine core princesses you can create Were Mm -hmm. all the ideas that his daughter had Oh, characters. that's so awesome! Yeah, so it's the the story. Uh, they have a Kickstarter video of how it all started and how it all evolved into what it is now, uh, up on their up on their Kickstarter page. Uh, so go check that out. It's it's such a it's such a beautiful game. We've got a uh, we've got a spotlight episode coming up uh, this next Thursday uh, for the game. So keep an ear out for that too. It's it's just really good.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of things that are really remarkable, guess what time it is? Yeah. Review time. Review time. Review time. Or maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> turn that into show Um
1: Now it's time to read like, some reviews.
0: Yeah. No. We'll, we'll workshop it. <laughs> uh, we only have one more review left after this one, and then we'll be all out of reviews to read. I know. Which would be really sad for you, dear listener. Um... But you can help with that. Uh Uh-huh. If you head over to Apple Podcasts with iTunes, you can leave us a rating and review, and we will read it on the air. It helps us out a lot and brings the show more listeners, Uh, like this review from Selfaria from the United States on Apple Podcasts. Informative, fun, and relaxing. Amelia and Ryan are a delightful combination of earnest excitement and welcoming chill, a fantastic pair for the discussion of a wide variety of systems. The discussion episodes are always thought-provoking and a great source of inspiration for my own TTRPG sessions. I was sucked in by the cheerful, homey fluffiness of Mouse Guard (laughs) episodes and stayed for, well, everything else, too.
1: (laughs) Oh, thank you! Yeah, we're so so glad that you can join us, Safaria. That is such a wonderful review, and... Can I say those mouse guard episodes were absolutely fantastic?
0: Yes, they were a lot of fun to the, do. The cutest, they were just so cute little mouse. Most thing.
1: adorable characters we've probably but, ever created.
0: Absolutely, or ever will. I, honestly, I don't think
1: we could top the adorableness.
0: No, I don't think so. And I think, honestly, if we did, it would be dangerous. <laughs> That's not good for people.
1: Today we're going to create characters for heart, and oh. <laughs> They're the most adorable. Oh look characters. at
0: them. They're so cute. <laughs> look at them. No. Oh no. No no no. no. <laughs> well, with all that out of the way, enjoy the episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Welcome to Character Evolution Cast, a show where we discuss what to do with all those characters we just made. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan, and today my co-host Amelia and I are joined by you, dear audience, to discuss enhancing the story of your main campaign by utilizing other games.
0: What do we mean by this? Games within games. Yeah. Minigames, other smaller, better, differenter games. <laughs> So, say you're planning a campaign in your favorite system and you're really invested in your characters, but you want a way to expand the lore in new and interesting ways that maybe the system you're playing in doesn't give you an option to do.
1: Mm.
0: One way you can do that is by creating your characters in another RPG system and playing certain parts of the lore as a a one-shot or a mini-campaign.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this episode, uh, we're going to go over some examples of what sorts of things you can do and what sorts of tools and games you can think about getting in order to enhance your experiences at the table. Uh, Whether you are a player or a GM, we think this advice could go pretty far to getting a deeper connection with any of your characters or the story as a whole.
0: First, before we jump into the specific examples, our usual disclaimer, not everything's for everyone.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Let's recognize that this method may not be for everybody. So definitely consult with everyone at the table. See if this is an idea that works well for your group. Enthusiastic consent is something that we've talked about previously, most notably in our Starcross episodes with Alex Roberts. Mm. Um, if everyone is not on board, maybe don't do this um and certainly i think compromise is a really big part of this but you know it, it, games are meant to be fun mm-hmm. this is a thing that we have hounded over and over and over again but not everything's for everybody you're here to have fun if it's not fun don't do it yeah again your mileage may vary
1: absolutely um, other considerations might be that the game you're playing already handles uh, certain situations very well within the the rules of that game. So there might not even be a need to deviate. Uh, yeah,
0: absolutely. Some games have this kind of built in a little bit.
1: Yeah. So uh, t- having all, all of that said, uh, let's go ahead and dive into some specific examples of what we're kind of talking about here. Uh, we'll start with kind of like story expansion sort of games, right?
0: Absolutely. So these are things that can help add more to a story that you're playing within a game. These are the things that we talk about doing like a one-shot or a mini campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so less character building, more playing out additional parts of a story that you maybe didn't get to play out in a the game. These are really good for like flashbacks or side quests or things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. So... Probably the, the game that started me thinking about all of this is uh, a game we covered previously on the show um, and a game we just mentioned. Uh, and st- we
0: talk about it all the time. All the time. We're <laughs> uh, obsessed with. Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Star Crossed by Alex Roberts. Um, and if you're not familiar, uh, first of all, shame on you. Uh, that's series three. Rude.
0: Uh. <laughs> series 3 and also part of our uh, recap at the end of the year. Uh-huh. Last year, one of our recast episodes. Yeah. Um,
1: it's, yeah, it's just
0: come on. How do you not know about this? Really is what we're saying. If you've listened to this podcast at all.
1: Yeah, but you know, this might be somebody's first episode. so And they might not be familiar with, with all the, the wonderful RPGs out there that we have covered. So uh, if you haven't listened <laughs> to Series 3 or heard about us talking about this a lot, uh, StarCrossed is a game where you use a jenga tower as the main mechanic, and the game tells the story about two people that really, really want to do stuff, and uh, <laughs> really, really shouldn't.
0: <laughs> and we but, should be clarified by do stuff. We mean even like hold yes, hands, hold or hands, you
1: know, uh, just. Sturdy relationship, um, it doesn't even have to be completely intimate. Uh, it's just people that have a romantic tension that really shouldn't uh, get together for whatever reason. And you get to define all of that during the game. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, it's it's really cool because you can use this game to uh, if you have in your main campaign, maybe a player and an NPC or two players or or maybe even just two NPCs that have this sort of dynamic. It'd be really cool to kind of pull them out of the the main rules of the game and and see what happens through the rules of the Starcrossed. A horror Borealis recently did this. They took uh, two of their characters. One of them is a character from kind of the the secondary campaign that they have mm-hmm. that takes place back in time, and one of them's an NPC that that person eventually ends up with uh, and has uh, a relationship with in the in the current present time in the game. Very cool. Yeah, so uh, that one's on their uh, bonus Patreon content. So if you really wanted to listen to that, that's how you would get access. But it's it's a really cool way to, to figure out kind of what, what happened with these people and what started their relationship in the past and how did they get to where they are now?
0: So the One Shot podcast um, did a series, too. Again, um, it's in the Secret Archive for the One Shot Podcast. Um, they played a game on the main show called Of Drow Origin, um, which is a and d um, adventure kind of game where you play as drow. Um, but in the Secret Archive, as part of the side story, um, James and Mel did a game where they played as the uh, two characters that they played on the main show oh, um, nice. and kind of played out their romantic backstory as well. So that was really exciting to listen to. Oh, that's really um, cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, so the main part of that story is on the the main one-shot feed, but then there's also the bonus content. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can kind of c- uh, compare the two, same as with A Horror Borealis, too. It's kind of nice to be able to hear, um, you know, how how those things connect and, like, how people are using them. Mm-hmm. I should say that we do that, we're going to do a lot of that in this episode is give you examples of where you can hear people playing these kinds of things. Mm. So
1: Yeah. Cause uh, when I heard people playing existing characters in existing settings, um, it, it kind of was a, a really cool feeling. Cause it's like, if you're, if you've been listening to uh, a certain AP and they're going over certain characters and you get really attached to those characters and then you kind of pull them out and put them into this really interesting, like niche situation. Uh, it has a really nice emotional impact. And I think if you do that with your characters that you have at your home campaign, uh, it would also have a kind of... I think of,
0: it would have an even bigger impact because yeah. they're your own characters, you know? Yeah.
1: Um, and it, it is to noting uh, that Starcross is a two-player game. Uh, currently, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, there is, uh, something said about the tension that others feel in the room, uh, watching that sort of thing unfold. So mm-hmm. if you have a full table and only two people are playing Starcross, it's, it's almost like a nice spectator, uh, sport, so to speak of like wonderful role playing and, and like, is that tower we're going to fall tension?
0: I think, too, it offers a kind of a cool opportunity when people want to play out a romantic story, but maybe everybody else at your table isn't super into that. Yeah. Um, Because I know playing out romantic scenarios are a thing that not everybody's comfortable with, and especially when it's two characters, it can feel kind of um, alienating for other people at the table. Mm -hmm. So if this is something that, like, a side part of this is really important to you and you want to see how this romantic subplot between you and another player kind of plays out but you don't want to subject everybody else at the table to that. You just want to know what the, like they just want to know what the result of that is and where it goes. Um, I think that playing a two player game can offer a really cool opportunity to do that without having to drag everybody else Mm -hmm. in. This is sort of like a break from that rule of everybody has to be on board. Mm -hmm. Um, I think as long as people are on board with you playing the game outside of the game, Mm -hmm. Um, which is definitely something I think you should talk to your group about, but I think it does offer a unique chance to play out some of those romantic stories in a way that not everybody has to watch or that mm-hmm. not everybody, cause doing like those side quests and stuff can, like I said, can feel kind of alienating to the other people that aren't involved in yeah. that plot. So I think that's a cool thing about doing something like this too. hmm
1: yeah, I mean, if you if you think about like traditional uh, sticking with the same game sort of stuff, like if you go to D&D and say the Rogue has a side quest where it's just mm-hmm. the Rogue and the GM and they have this grand adventure just one-on-one, um, th- I can see a lot of people st- saying, well, why couldn't I have a, a, a one-on-one? Where I can, why couldn't I be there for that? Or, you know, what am I missing out on?
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think that there's, I can definitely go both ways. Because I think sometimes, depending on the group and depending on what kind of role play you're doing, um, sometimes it is really fun to watch when you're with a group that are like they get really into it. It is fun to watch other people. That was one thing I enjoyed when I was doing an AP It mm-hmm. was like, even if my character wasn't in it, I was playing with people who were such great players that I didn't mind watching those side quests. But I also know sometimes as a player, you're like, no, I want my playtime to be me playing mm-hmm. and so I think that this is a cool you can do it either way you know
1: yeah absolutely
0: there's ups and downs to both sides of it
1: yeah so uh starcross was the first one that came to mind uh so that's why we we talked about it first uh, but there are so many others that you can get into mm-hmm. um one one example that I just absolutely love that I heard recently uh using kids on bikes mm-hmm uh, for younger versions of your characters. Yes. Um, or even just telling a story in the past, uh, depending on like where your campaign takes place. Mm-hmm. Um, because Kids on Bikes is... You're, you play as kids, and you're on bikes. and <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, maybe. I mean, you don't have to be on bikes. Yeah, no, uh, I specifically remember a one-shot game where there was a lot of skateboarding.
1: <laughs> yes, so Kids on Wheeled Devices... Um <laughs> doesn't doesn't have the same ring to it of course. Um but it, it's effectively there's like a mystery of some sort that you kids are going to be trying to figure out or fix or try to survive. It's it's the stranger things of role playing games, the uh I would even probably classify the goonies as a kids on bikes type of adventure.
0: Yeah, I could see that. It's it's kids out kind of it's that sort of like latchkey kid kind of yeah. thing where like you're you wonder sometimes like where are your parents uh-huh. um but it's kids out having adventures doing things themselves um and you have that very um it, it's a very realistic kind of setting mm-hmm. i mean there's there's still like can be spooky stuff going on but it's very much like you don't have access to things outside of what kids have right you know and in the in um, the game, as designed, you're playing in the 80s, so it's you don't have cell phones or anything like mm-hmm. that either, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, the 1980s uh, was an interesting decade to be a kid in, because you, you literally could just get out of your house and, and ride a bike to a friend's house like two miles away, and mm-hmm. your parents would be like, all right, come home for dinner, or or, yeah. or not if you call us. Right. <laughs> and so I, I, I remember a lot of times doing that as a kid. And this game uh, covers a lot of that uh, fun adventure that you can have. Um, but it, it's really cool that you can you could take your adult characters, say if you're playing a modern game mm-hmm. um, or a game from like the early 2000s or so, uh, put them back in time 20 years or 40 years in our case right now, and uh, and and play this and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I think it offers a, a chance to play out some of those, like, growing up stories. Yeah. Um, and kind of see. I, I think it's a really good game for playing, like, how did our group come together? Yeah. Um, would be a really fun use of this game mm-hmm. to just say, like, oh, we've been, you know, you talk about, we've been doing this for forever. Yeah. Well, go back and play. Like, when was the first time you guys went on an
1: adventure? Mm-hmm. You know? It's it's interesting because it, it almost feels like Stephen King's It is like a quintessential kids on bikes sort of scenario of uh, adults that know each other, that mm-hmm. promise they're going to help take care of this thing if it comes back, and then there's flashbacks to the kids on bikes portion. Yeah. So, turns from adults in cars to kids on bikes, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, wheeled we'll devices. Yeah.
1: So uh, one example that I know of that is going to be coming soon is uh, another Horror Borealis uh, reference. They're doing a, a game uh, that takes place 20 years prior to the main campaign. So the main campaign takes place in 1996. And this game is taking place in 1976. Very cool. And it's going to be a bunch of different kids uh, in in this small town of Revenant, Alaska. And uh, it's going to follow their adventures, uh, whatever that entails. But what's cool is 20 years prior to the main campaign, a lot of different NPCs and even some very like maybe four-year-old versions of some of the characters are going to be in town. So it's very possible that these uh, players will run into other cool mm-hmm. younger NPCs that they know from the main campaign. Very cool. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool.
0: Another game um, that works really well for story building is Reflections mm-hmm. by Jim McClure. Yeah. Um the One Shot Network has used this a couple times. Um, most recently on Campaign Skyjacks. It's in the main feed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a Gen Con live show, um, which was so much fun, uh, where Liz and Johnny, um, played out the story of how Travis and Gable met. Yeah. Um, and so the way this one works is you have two individuals who are at their like final showdown with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, but the core, mechanic of it basically is you go back a couple acts and say like when was the first time we met when you know when did it almost come to blows um and basically building up the story to why are we at this final confrontation Mm -hmm. you can change around like the the way the scenes work Mm -hmm. because they start with um these very specific prompts that say like you know it was a time of whatever um We stand upon blank. I remember when you were blank, Um, but you sort of, you stayed out these situations, but it's very easy to, to change them up. Mm -hmm. And actually the core game um, has a couple additional scenarios in the back um, that you can use.
1: Because there's like a, there's like a rom-com version. There's Mm -hmm. uh, like wrestlers. uh, I think pirates are in there too.
0: Yeah, um, there's Love and Laughter. That's a, ro- a rom com one. Yeah. There is a wrestling one. There is a dogfight one. There's oh, yeah. a pirate one. Um, there's, a, yeah, a couple different options for things that you can kind of play out. But again, it's, um, yeah, there's a gunfight one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, for the Skyjacks one, James kind of rewrote it a little bit to make it more specific to the story that they were telling. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it tells a very good... It's meant to be sort of a flashback kind of thing of like, how did it come to where it is right now? Yeah. And um, the other time that they used it was in the Dungeon Dome series. Oh, okay. um, Allie and Drew played it out between their two characters. Um, similarly, like, why, how did we end up at this last, like, final showdown where we're facing off between each other? Mm-hmm. Um. And so, yeah, the main part is meant to tell the story between two samurai. It's very cool. I love it a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also can play out a lot of different scenarios. It's very, very mm-hmm. cool.
1: Yeah. And I think I read that uh, Reflections was inspired by uh, another game that's very similar called A Single Moment uh, by mm-hmm. Toby Abad. Yes. Um, and that one is, uh, it's a different mechanics, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. but it's, it's still the like, two individuals are coming together um i believe in that game they are specifically samurai Mm -hmm. and it goes through the flashbacks and and figuring out how they came to that single moment uh where they have to fight
0: yes um and i'm not sure i think that you can get a copy of a single moment still or maybe i got it with the kickstarter for reflections Mm -hmm. um but toby actually wrote the rom-com scenario that's in reflections as well
1: uh they do Um, have a a single moment on drive-through at least okay yeah it's very
0: similar the mechanics of it are a little bit different but it's this it's yeah um reflections is heavily based on a single moment Mm -hmm. so um they work pretty well together
1: yeah um and it it's pretty cool because you can just alter it like James did, and fit it directly to your setting, your characters, your world, um, and and alter the the goals and whatnot to make. Yeah, it it's more super thematic.
0: easy to. It's a super easy game to hack, mm-hmm. um, and the mechanics are pretty simple too. Mm-hmm. Um, because you you get these goals, and then you um, get dice at the end based on those goals, and then you roll kind of to see who wins this standoff duel yeah. kind of a thing. And honestly, if you wanted to. Um, if you got to the end of it and you wanted to just leave it there because the whole goal was to say, why are we rivals? Mm -hmm. Um, You don't even necessarily have to play out that last scene.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, Uh, because it doesn't have to be a rivals or friends to rivals story Mm -hmm. Um, because, I mean, even the existence of the rom-com thing where it's, it's, I think, generally enemies to lovers is, I think, the progression of the goals and whatnot in that game. Um, and positive. and I think the resolution is whether or not you um, get together at the end. Nice, yeah, which is kind of cool, and it's the same game. Mm-hmm. So you're not you're not lovers or ex lovers that are trying to uh, off one another. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good options for that one. I think yeah, it's a, and it's another one that is a two player game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, we should point that out. But again, really good for playing out those mm-hmm. kind of rivalry scenarios and possibly romantic scenarios too, depending on how you want to play it.
1: No, I did uh, create a game based on reflections uh, that uses a Jenga tower that is a four player game. If you wanted to go that route uh, and, and modify my game for some reason, <laughs> <But>. <laughs> <laughs> Modify
0: his modification of a game. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. But uh
0: I will hack this hack. I know. Uh
1: check out my my itch.io page if you really want to see that. But mm-hmm. um yeah, it's it's really interesting to to take that dual mentality of uh two people against each other and, and figuring out how it would play out. Mm-hmm. Or even figuring out how it got to that point. Yes. I, I think it would be really interesting, like, if you get to a certain point in the adventure where there is a duel between two characters, you go and resolve that, or at least figure out how it got there through Reflections. Mm-hmm. And then then once you get to that last moment in Reflections, cut back to the main game and see what happens. Yeah. That'd be pretty Yeah, sweet.
0: like I said, you don't even have to play out that last scene. It gives you a lot of chances to kind of cut it off wherever you want Absolutely. to. Absolutely. Another really cool one, um, Dread oh, yeah. is a fantastic horror game. Um, originally, Starcross started out kind of loosely based on Dread before it, it sort of morphed into its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but similarly, uses a Jenga tower to uh, emulate a lot of that tension going on. Um, you're playing this really suspenseful, suspenseful story, um, and when you do actions, you pull from the Jenga tower. Um, and if it falls, everything goes real bad for your character. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can rebuild the tower and continue to play. That's a nice thing about this one. Yeah. Um, the game is not over just because the tower falls. Mm-hmm. Um, it it does raise the stakes pretty dramatically oh, yeah. if that tower falls. Yep. Um, so certainly that's something you can kind of work out as a group if, if that's really what you want to do. Because mm-hmm. um, you may not want character death if this is kind of a side story sort of thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: but you could um, use this one definitely to play out a particularly tense scenario mm-hmm. if you're kind of going through a mystery or like, you know, you have a game where you have to enter like a haunted house or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Campaign did it for a Halloween episode um, or a couple of Halloween episodes, I th- I don't remember if it was more than one. Yeah. Um, where their ship was infested with giant killer rabbits, <laughs> um, it was very good. Um, they did a great job and actually never knocked down their tower. Oh wow! Um, so nobody died. Yeah. It turns out they're they're all very good at that. That's remarkable. Uh, it's yeah, it's fantastic. Um, but it is even to listen to. Um, on an ap so tense because you can hear them like no 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 uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's so cool
0: like that tension of it um is really really awesome and you know so they used it to play out kind of like a bottle episode scenario mm-hmm. um so I, I think it it plays really well in that sort of like one shot kind of a thing and a thing that doesn't necessarily hugely impact the plot mm-hmm. um but you know say you want a side quest you want to kind of change it up or do you know, you know that you're going into an adventure that's going to be particularly tense, and you want to have a mechanic to really emulate that tension. Yeah, um, Dread is a great game to do that, and it is um, sort of setting neutral, mm-hmm. so you can play it, and it you can play it kind of any way that you want, yeah. and it'll slot into whatever system you're playing really well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's interesting because it's like it's it still has that GM group uh, dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. So if you're playing a game with a GM normally, and then uh, go into Dread, the, keep mm-hmm. the same GM and and ha- go through that sort of tense scenario that that they're envisioning.
0: Yeah, yeah, we should say that like certainly Reflections is a GMless game technically. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if you listen to the campaign uh, episodes, um, if you're a fan of the Skyjack series, you can hear James acting kind of as a facilitator mm-hmm. and asking some sort of you know. Um, setting questions and like asking people to expand on stuff. So certainly even in GM games, I think there's a role for them kind of as a facilitator. Absolutely. Sometimes.
1: Yeah. Especially uh, if your players are not f- familiar with the game itself.
0: Yes. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. very
1: good to have somebody that knows the game uh, to walk through certain steps or like, oh, you do, you're doing this. So now you have to do this thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's what that means mechanically. Um, that's really helpful. Yeah. So, the next one uh, is more specific, uh, but I I believe the people at at the Protean City podcast uh, have toyed with the idea at one point of using The Ward by Kevin Petker uh, to resolve a superhero getting... Massively hurt and put into the hospital. Um okay. So the ward is a medical drama simulator type game. Uh, it's powered by the apocalypse, and it's basically Grey's Anatomy, the role-playing game, effectively. So mm-hmm. you've got the uh, you've got stuff for doing the medical stuff, but you also have stuff for doing the drama. Of the hospital and like the relationships and doctors being uh less than professional uh with one another um <laughs>
0: <laughs> no doctors always get along great and there's never any drama i don't know what
1: you're talking uh-huh. about well i mean less than professional in ways that they get along great too um <laughs> just think crazy anatomy you'll know what i'm talking about right mm-hmm. um and This would be a really interesting game to slot in for a character, uh, especially like a PC that gets really hurt in the main game. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how much of the setting itself is like ingrained into the ward. But I imagine that it would be easily hackable to to kind of just put this sort of hospital type system into your game itself.
0: Yeah, I think that that would be pretty easy. Um, especially with most PBTA games are, you know, eminently hackable. Oh yeah. Um, that's why there are so many of them. Um, I think that that's a good way to play out. You know, we've talked a lot about like injury and um, sort of the consequences of those things and how a lot of games don't play those out particularly well. Mm-hmm. You take your long rest and then you're better. Yeah. You roll your medicine check and then you're better. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want a little more from something, if you you know. It, we talk about like there would be some sort of like dramatic emotional impact and mm-hmm. you know, uh, not only for the person that's injured, but for the people around you, um, I think the ability to play that out is is kind of unique and I think something that a lot of games are really lacking.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and putting a character's fate up to like this new doctor character that you create specifically for the scenario. Or, or maybe there's an existing Dr. NPC that you convert to a character in the ward. Uh, yeah. That would be a really tense session. And every mm-hmm. single dice roll, like determining, determining the fate and having it matter, yeah.
0: And the nice thing, too, is that PBTA systems are very easy um, to learn. There's not a lot of rules. Mm-hmm. And so that's an easy one to slot in, too, because it doesn't require learning a whole new system mm-hmm. um that's the thing about most of these games too that we've picked is that they're pretty rules light so you can kind of um easily pick them up
1: yeah absolutely to add to your story yeah i th- i think uh pbta as long as you play one game that's pbta you pretty much have a good solid base for playing any any other ones
0: mm-hmm. that's certainly been my experience with yeah. it. yeah um Another good one, um, kind of on that PBTA spectrum, a little it's, bit different. It is PBTA um, but
1: adjacent, yeah.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely, is Blades in the Dark mm-hmm. um, by John Harper. And I think this one would be a really good one to play out a heist. Yes. Um, The way that the mechanics work in this game, unfortunately I haven't had the chance to play it, but the way that the mechanics work in this game is that you're playing against this clock. Um, but I really like the preparation mechanics for this game mm-hmm. especially if you are used to playing something like D, where your players are like we have to game the system we have to you know like we have to play everything out ahead of time and like plan and plot uh-huh. and that kind of stuff um it's really good to kind of turn that on on its head where you say okay let's have a flashback scene of like how did i prepare for yeah. this um and so it's the game is meant to do heists and that kind of thing. And so to be able to take, you know, like we know we have this thing coming up, let's instead of playing D&D or whatever, mm-hmm. let's take a system that is meant to do this thing that we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really what we're trying to get at with all of these is saying, rather than trying to take the system that you're playing in mm-hmm. and twist it and morph it to do what you want to do, It's totally okay to say, hey, for this session, we're going to switch systems real quick and do something that is meant to do the thing that we're trying to do. Yeah. Because that's is—that's the really cool thing about there being such a wide variety of games Mm -hmm. out there, is that there is a game that is built to do the specific thing that you're trying to do. Absolutely. You know, there's a game specifically built to play out that tension of a love story. There's a specific game to play out your medical drama, to play out your heist, to do something like that. So rather than trying to hack, I mean, we we are still hacking, but rather tra- than trying to like twist a system that you're playing and really kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. shove a square peg into a round hole um of the game that you're playing, it's it's cool to take a session mm-hmm. and do something with a system that is meant to do the yeah. thing you're trying to do. Yeah, and I think that's really what we're getting at with these story building ones.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because uh, you could do a lot in D anD. d You can do pretty much anything you want in D anD. d But the resolution mechanic is okay. I do something, roll a die, put it against a skill, and see if I succeed or not.
0: Right. And Um, I definitely don't want to, I feel like a lot of times we are kind of down on D&D because it is like the, you know, the gateway. It's the one that everybody knows. Um, But I I think I point out at one point in some episode um, that there are games, like what is your game? It's a question that we ask now. Is like, what is your game meant to do? What kind of stories is it meant to tell? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise we'd run everything in GURPS. Right. And we don't have to. No. We don't have to. It's okay. I,
1: I don't think we want to either. (laughs) No, I mean,
0: maybe somebody does. There are plenty of people and I see it all the time on Reddit and stuff like that. People are like, oh, just hack D&D to do Mm -hmm. it. And it's like, you could, you absolutely could. And there are people that do Mm -hmm. and they do wonderful hacks and, you know, like come up with some really brilliant mechanics. But um, if you take a game that is meant to do that, I I think a lot of times you're going to have more fun because the mechanics support the emotional Oh, story yeah. beats that you're trying to tell and things like that in ways that something like D&D
1: mm-hmm. can't
0: necessarily do because that's not what it's built for, and that's not a slight against D&D, mm-hmm. that's just not what it's made
1: for. Absolutely, yeah. Like, even some Powered by the Apocalypse games, uh, certain events are put into one move, or and that's one dice roll, and, mm-hmm. and that's not as exciting as trying to build up this Jenga tower without it collapsing.
0: Or right.
1: or trying to do a heist and not having to, like, plan everything in advance, getting into a pickle, and then, oh, here's this flashback of how I figured out what to bring based on the situation I'm currently in. You know, that mm-hmm. that doesn't uh, – it, it leaves more room for you to figure out uh, something in a fun way instead of, you know, relying on a mechanic that's not – designed to do anything more than a resolution or maybe even waterfall into other things
0: right i think that is what we have for story building for right
1: now Mm -hmm.
0: the other section that we want to talk about world building building. you know how big of fans we are of world building Uh uh-huh So we have picked out a couple games and obviously this is not a full, we should say that about all of this. This is not a full set of games by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, You can hack things to do all sorts of other things. Yeah. Um, but we want to talk a little bit about games that you can use for world building. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to sort of gamify that process, if you're playing a game that doesn't have that built in, or even if you do and you want something more than that, yes. um, this first one is definitely an example of a game that does have some world building components, um, but they wanted a little bit more. Do you want to talk? I kind of remember the uh-huh. Microscope episodes. It's <laughs> been so long since I listened to the very early uh-huh. parts of Protean City. I, I
1: literally am going through the Stop, Hack, and Roll uh, backlog. uh And probably a week ago, I came upon their uh, Microscope uh, hack. Uh, I think they called it Signal Light. um, Oh, yep. For creating uh, like a superhero backstory that goes back four generations or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically, Microscope is a game that uh, has a timeline in it. And you're you're trying to figure out events on that timeline for the the world that you are playing in. Um, I I don't know too much of the details. I don't know if you create a world in Microscope or if you are just thinking of uh, this timeline for other settings. But it,
0: you, I think you create a world as part of it.
1: That's cool. So you can create a world to start your game, or you can take an existing world and create a, a cool timeline for it. Uh or both. Um Protean City, like we said, used this for building their primary city. Um mm-hmm. Halcyon City is the main city in masks. Uh but they didn't want to play in Halcyon City. They wanted to play in their own city. Uh mm-hmm. and that way they, they could play with their own heroes and, and all that sort of stuff and and still have Halcyon in their world but uh effectively they're they're effectively making like the the gotham or the the metropolis to the the other city
0: yeah um and the cool thing about this one as as an example for people um is that it's the very very first episodes of protean city so you could go back if you wanted an example of this you can definitely go back and listen to those episodes without it being spoilers like Mm -hmm. some of the other ones that we've talked about definitely have some spoilers for their main shows yeah um But, yeah, the way that they use this is to create, like, the sort of hierarchy of superheroes Mm -hmm. that they have. Like, they create the ages, you know, like, their golden age, their silver age of superheroes. They create um, Falcon through this, I think, um, which is their sort of main government organization Mm -hmm. that covers superheroes. Um, And and so there's so many, like, um, kind of story hooks, basically, Um, So on top of like the world building and the timeline, it helps you create events, Mm -hmm. NPCs, um, things that you can sort of pull back on Mm -hmm. and use as story hooks in your own game. Uh, Um, And they have done – James and Brandon like made a really quality hack of Microscope to do what they needed to do. But I think it's something that um, is very easy to translate Mm -hmm. uh, to that game too. And we'll try and put a link to
1: yeah absolutely so
0: we're gonna try and put a link to all of the like show examples that we've given you in here mm-hmm. where we can um some of the secret archive stuff we can't but right um, well we can link to it but there. you have
1: to pay for it if you if you're not right. already <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: which you know support support creators, yeah, support creators. <laughs> <laughs> <It's cool>.
1: uh, <laughs> yeah the microscope that that episode they they like uh create like a location on an index card and then they talk about it around the table and then they place that onto the table and then they do like maybe an event, maybe an NPC, and then you can expand on things later when it comes to your turn again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how like Pecoy ended up in the Protean City world. That's, oh, yeah. that's how uh, the, the Striped Eagle uh, was created mm-hmm. and, and all sorts of other cool characters that are iconic to the Protean City world If you're if you're a fan of that show. Yeah. Um, if you did end up uh, listening to all the episodes of the show, except for the world building, uh go back. Because uh, after having listened to, what, almost 100 episodes? Uh
0: Yeah, there's stuff in there that's still important. Yeah,
1: it, and um, I went back to listen to it recently, and it blew my mind how much, like, where everything came from. Because when yeah. I first listened to it, I didn't know anything about Protean City. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But now I go back and listen to it again. And I'm like, oh, that's cool.
0: Well, I think that's the cool thing about it, though, is that nobody knew anything about Protean City when we start <laughs> when they started it. You know, exactly. and it's cool to see how much of it still matters uh-huh. and how how big of an effect it had on the world. Yeah. Um, it's yeah, it's very interesting. Strongly recommend, even if you don't listen to the rest of Protean City, I strongly recommend going and listening to those world building yeah.
1: episodes. Yeah, it's interesting. There was like a, a crime family that didn't show up until like 50 or 60 episodes in. Or something yeah. like that. And like, yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. How do you remember all that?
1: Well, um, I mean, if, I if mean you, you talk to Brandon.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. that's You do know. Yeah.
1: Yep. <laughs> uh, I really want to see his uh, sheet of clocks that's just like hundreds of clocks of different events going on yes. at any given moment in the world. And like, wow. Yep. That That's a masks thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: Another cool game for that same kind of, not the same kind of world building, but another cool, like, world building option is Dialect uh, by Katherine Himes and Hakan Sayaligolu, um, of Thorny Games. You create a language for your, like, world. You create this world and this language. Mm-hmm. Um, I am dying to play this game. Um, I've heard it on She's a Super Geek mm-hmm. and I. Don't remember. I think they might have done it on one shot. I'm not positive. But it's it's so interesting um because I think you know not only does it give you like lang- a language for your world mm-hmm. because that's really cool. You can kind of build up some like lingo and slang for your world, mm-hmm. which I think adds a lot of color to things. Oh, yeah. Um but you go through the process of like building up and then like sort of like dying out of this language. Mm-hmm. But you also define things that are really important to this world mm. as part of it. You say, like, this is why we have a word for this thing, because it relates to what we do. Yeah. And so um, building up some of those things that are important and saying, like, you know, we have words for, like, our crop cycles because that's really important to this world. Um, it's very cool to listen to um, on the She's a Super Geek podcast for sure. Yeah. And um, I'm sure lots of other places, but it's it's neat because it helps define um not only the lingo for that world but you know why do you have these words for things like why are these important to us um what have we what have we built in this world that necessitates a word for this Mm -hmm. thing um and so i think that that is is a very different way of looking at things i love linguistics and like the way we use language Mm -hmm. and things like that so that's fascinates me um for a long time i thought about going into linguistics as a as a school oh, that's cool major um but yeah it's really neat because it it just colors the world in a way that i think a lot of other world building kind of um not ignores but sort of just doesn't really facilitate because
1: mm-hmm. you could you could just outside of the game make up some lingo uh and everything but it, i don't think it would have the same emotional like impact yeah it attaches
0: a lot of like you're right like emotional impact to the reasons that we use those words mm-hmm. like i said you know we have defined that crop cycles are really important and that's why we have these words for growth and yeah. you know things like that and that's why this is the word that we use mm-hmm. um in in yeah like i said in a way that i don't think a lot of other games really put mm-hmm. the same importance on
1: And it's really cool uh, then when you're diving into and playing the game and talking in character and using those words that just immediately will attach all of you even deeper into this world. And what's really cool is those are your words. Those are words for your table that nobody else in the world is going to be using for their games.
0: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So it creates like a, a really neat, uh, like, I, I don't know, wanna, I want to say kind of like an exclusive sort of feel to your own campaign. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. All right. So this next game, uh, it's not out yet, uh, but actually it's currently on Kickstarter. And I heard it on uh, She's a Super Geek and immediately uh, fell in love with it. Uh, it's Dekuba uh, by Golden Lasso Games. It uses a uh, like a form of tarot card that uh, has different questions on it, kind of like uh, for the queen, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But this is an entirely like it's it's for world building and character relationships, uh, among other things where you can you can go around and randomly draw these cards and figure out what it means for the situation that you're dealing with, uh, which is really cool. So it has all these sorts of prompts and there's like beautiful art on the cards that are that's supposed to inspire you. Um, if you are into tarot, like, uh, and you do readings and stuff like that, uh, this would be an, an, even cooler thing to get into simply because um, there's a lot of apparently hidden imagery within the cards that is very like specific to the, the tarot experience. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's an interesting one that, that looks like if, if you say you don't have a relationship uh, uh, linking, uh, Thing in the game that you're about to play, like uh, generally D and D doesn't have it. Um, you know, Heroes Unlimited, that sort of game doesn't have it. You can take a game like Dakuma and play just the relationship building portion of it and figure out how your characters are all linked together before you even start playing.
0: Yeah, I think it um, it's really cool to be able to. Um, this one is pretty is um, very world neutral yes. too, um, which it makes it another good game to um, kind of insert into your game. It, it doesn't... And actually, I should say, all of these world-building ones are setting neutral. Because yeah. um, they're for building worlds. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, but it it makes it really easy to, again, slot into your game and say, like, we are going to build these things together, which I... We're going to hound this to death. Um, games are cool when you... Games are really cool when you have that personal, emotional connection to this thing mm-hmm. that you have built together, yeah. um, this shared emotional experience of building the world, mm-hmm. and so all of these games, um, I just, I love yeah. so much. <laughs> uh, world building, uh-huh. it's it's so good. Yeah,
1: because it's it's basically like the, the Beyond the Wall game that I'm a part of, uh, we built the village, and... I care about everything in that village because we built it. And if my, my GM would just say, "Hey, here's a village. Here's the map. Here's where the stuff is," I'd be like, "Oh, that's cool." But why? Why do I care about the the bakery that's down the street that's run by this this elf person that's the only other elf in town who gets the good grains from the the granary uh, that. Uh, gives them a good deal because they have a a link because of all this other stuff and it's like we we made up all that cool linking connection between all these cool NPCs because of uh, the way the game plays but if your game doesn't have that you can slot it in to have it with using a different game like uh, Dakuma or Microscope or whatever
0: Mm -hmm. another cool game Um, for some world building, is For the Queen, again, by Alex Roberts. Um, This one, I think, is really cool for setting up a political landscape. Um, There are a few hacks of it out there, um, but it is also cool for playing out a story inside the game. Um, The way For the Queen works is you sort of You go around the table and you are playing people in the Queen's retinue. Yeah. Um, And you will pull cards and they'll ask questions. And really all you're doing is sort of improvising this story together. Um, I'm looking at the cards that I have in front of me right now to see what some of the questions are. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a false rumor about you and the Queen back at royal court. Mm. What is it? How did it start? What brings out the Queen's cruelty? Um <laughs> there's there's just all of these like sort of evocative questions and prompts that you can go through and build the story.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You saved the queen's life once. How? You suspect this journey isn't about diplomatic negotiations. What else do you believe is going on and why? Yeah. So I think you know, you could certainly hack this game and write your own questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be about a queen. It could be about, you know, any kind of, like, village leader. It could be about somebody else in your party mm-hmm. if you decided that you wanted it to go that way. You know, like, tell the story about your sort of group leader. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it it – asks these really open-ended broad questions that are very evocative Mm. and um you know there's a couple that is like you know like that question what brings out the queen's cruelty yeah okay it's established then in this question that this queen is cruel Mm. now what yeah um And so, like, as a GM, I think it'd be really cool to write some of your own questions for a game like this, Mm -hmm. too. Um, But it's very simple because you're just putting down these story prompts and asking people to tell a story. And the way that um, people kind of build off each other as you go around the table Mm -hmm. is really interesting. The couple times that I've played it, it's been fascinating, the stories that you come up with.
1: Um,
0: And it's a really easy game because you're just answering questions. So um, I've... Played it with my mom and my sister before, um, who've never played role-playing games before. Um, but just a fun game to sit down and answer questions yeah. and tell this kind of story together.
1: I am still itching so much to play this game.
0: Oh, you could you could so easily sit down and play it with Ashley, with like just the two of you. <laughs> You should do it I got, I, um, because it doesn't feel like a role playing game absolutely. at all.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's a story building game effectively, mm-hmm. which is really cool, right?
0: Which is you know what you're trying to do. So you could certainly do it in the story section too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, it, like I said, for setting up a sort of political landscape of like what does this mm-hmm. leadership in this world look like, yes. um, and you could play it certainly as NPCs, but just to give you some background of like what's going on in this world yep. outside of your little group mm-hmm. too.
1: Yeah, so like especially like a a fantasy world or a world with a dystopian leadership or whatever, uh, you can build that up. And then when you get into the main campaign again with your main characters and you have to interact with this political landscape that you built, I can imagine Mm -hmm. that you can either be super happy about it or very frustrated that you made things hard for yourself. (laughs) Yes. It could go either Uh way. Yeah. So that that sounds really fun.
0: Ryan, I'm really excited to talk about this last section. This last section is
1: probably the best uh, piece of advice that we can offer. So pay very close attention.
0: Uh, Uh, We're going to talk about character building. Yeah.
1: So that's kind of our niche. Uh, so what's the you
0: may not know that about us yeah (laughs)
1: um,
0: but we're as much as we love world building um, we're kind of into character building
1: Uh uh-huh so character building uh what's what's the best way that we have found to create characters uh recently
0: um Ryan I would say that the best way we found to create characters recently is random tables oh yeah
1: uh, now tell me, h- how can you use random tables to to create characters?
0: Well, Ryan, uh, this section of the outline is entirely to tell people to go back and listen to our <laughs> <a> catacon episode, <laughs> where you can see exactly what sort of horror
1: you can create
0: when you take a pile of random tables uh, and make characters. Yeah. So there are certainly books um, that are just devoted to character building random tables. Mm. Um, what we did was <laughs> took a bunch of random tables from a bunch of different games and used them to create characters. Mm-hmm. Now, not, not stat blocks for characters, but just descriptor kind mm-hmm. of um, descriptive words for characters um like species and then what kind of hats they yeah. were wearing it was very important um <laughs> and you know what sort of shell corporations they worked oh, for yeah. and was there spaghetti or not yeah um but <laughs> and obviously we did this as a really cool interactive exercise with an audience which was so much fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i'm really dying to do that again at some Absolutely. point Absolutely. but um it random tables really at, like just the trinket table in dnd D. Or, like, the heritage tables in L5R. They just add this, like, little bit of flavor to your characters. It's just, like, the little seasoning on top. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have to use it to create your whole character, though it is very fun, and we've done it in our Traveler episodes Mm -hmm. and our um, Heroes Unlimited episodes. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: um, <laughs> I'm obligated to put an ugh at the end of Heroes Unlimited ugh, uh-huh. every time I say it. Um, but you can really add some flavor, too, if you use it. There are obviously other character-building books, and um, you know I-, I think we should shout out, because now this is this is the end of this section, really, as we just wanted to shout <laughs> about Random Tables and make you listen to our Catacomb episode. Uh-huh. Um, there are certainly books. James D'Amato has his... To his ultimate RPG character backstory guide mm-hmm. and ultimate RPG gameplay guide. Um, there's also best game ever by Monty Cook Games. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certainly plenty of books about how to run great RPGs that have exercises and things that you can do. Um, there's just like there's just a plethora of things out there, and I think really what we're trying to say here is that you, just because you are playing one particular game does not mean you are limited to that game.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it, it was really interesting because we started with nothing except these random tables. And yeah, we had no plan. We, we created characters. We created uh, worlds. We created a world. We created a situation. We created NPCs and links between those NPCs and the characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. e- everything kind of just came out of these weird random tables that we threw together. And somehow all of them ended up being some sort of mutant animal of... Some sort,
0: yeah. Well, I think toward the end, we kind of fudged that a little bit and decided that they had to be because the first two or three were. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely go back and listen to that Akatacon episode, it was so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, what a good time! Um, yeah, I, I think that we've. We've really covered a lot of stuff here. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to hear from people if you have done something like this in your game, if you've played a mini game inside a game, Mm -hmm. um, I'd love to hear about it and how it worked out for you. Um, There's just so many options here that I think that I just really want people (laughs) to understand that like you don't have to just because you're playing a game doesn't mean you have to play that. Uh Uh-huh. And this is an awesome opportunity to try out other RPGs too. So many of us are like, I have twenty five games on my shelf, and I've only played two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a really great chance to play a different one.
1: Yeah, we try it out. We didn't even cover like uh, even using traditional a, a lot of traditional games, uh, like like Descent into Midnight for creating an underwater civilization in your main campaign, um, right? Or or D and D if you want to play D and D in your kids on, kids on bikes campaign um or are all sorts of other fun combinations you know
0: yeah yeah there's we've we've only scratched the surface uh uh-huh.
1: well uh i guess this is the section where we thank everybody for listening
0: yes thanks <laughs> for putting up with us <laughs> Well, th-
1: yeah thank you for joining us for this discussion um we are really thankful that you're here and with us uh and if you really want to talk at us uh, you've got a few places where you can find us online.
0: Yes. Um. Like I said, we'd love to hear more about times that you've used this or times that you're thinking about using this or mm-hmm. uh, questions you may have about doing this. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at CreationCast or on our Discord at discord.charactercreationcast.com. And let us know what you're thinking about doing, what you've done, what's worked, what hasn't. Mm. It sounds great.
1: Absolutely. Well, we look forward to hearing from you and uh, we look forward to our next episode. So we will see you next time.
0: Character Evolution Cast, like Character Creation Cast, is a production of the One Shot Podcast Network and can be found online at www.charactercreationcast.com. Head to the website to get more information on our hosts and guests, or even find some of our character sheets. Character Creation Cast can be found on Twitter, at Creation Cast. I'm one of your hosts, Amelia Antrim, and I can be found on Twitter, at Ginger Reckoning. Our other host, Ryan Bolter, can be found on Twitter, at LordNeptune. Music for this episode is used with a Creative Commons license, or with permission from the podcast it originated from. Further information can be found within the show notes. This episode was edited by Amelia Antrim. Further information for today's guest can also be found in the show notes. Thanks for joining us. And remember, we find that the best part of any role-playing game is character creation. So go out there and create some amazing people. We'll see you next time. Now we gotta read some show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Now we got to read some show blurbs.
1: show blurbs.
0: Show blurbs.
1: Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Show blurbs. Character Creation Cast is hosted by the One OneShot Podcast Network. If you enjoyed our show, visit OneShotPodcast.com, where you will find other great shows like Warda.
0: Warda is an original fantasy actual play podcast created by Allie Grauer and Drew Marzieski. It's one part Game of Thrones, two parts Downton Abbey, served on the rocks with a twist of Agatha Christie. Discover magic, mystery, and more than a little socio-political commentary along the way. The city holds thousands of stories. What will yours be? Okay. All Take right. I'm drink of my coffee here. Which is not the best for mouth sounds, but man, I need the caffeine.
1: I have uh, Diet Dr. Pepper, so that's even worse for mouth sounds.
0: I have some diet Pepsi over here for when I'm thirsty after the coffee.
1: Because, <laughs> we all know, diet soda is the best thirst quencher. It is. A <laughs> little, little bit of coffee. This
0: podcast brought to you by diet soda. Yeah.
1: A huh? little bit of coffee followed by a diet soda chaser. Yum. Mm. Look, I just I need so much
0: caffeine right now. Mm-hmm. It, Ooh, it's not doing anything.
1: That's understandable. I had some tea earlier. Uh, just some green tea, and now I'm having Diet Dr. Pepper about half an hour later because my kids woke me up too early.
0: Because parenting, man. Because parenting. As I frequently tell my children when they say, why do you need so much coffee? I say, do you want me to be a good mom or not? (laughs) (laughs) I'll put all this at the end. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay.
1: All right. I think I'm starting.
0: Yes. Looks like it.
1: Cool. All right, I'm gonna give us uh, a five count, and then we'll we'll hop into it.
0: Okay, hold on, I'm all tangled up in my cord here. Uh-oh. uh Oh,
1: is that a metaphor?
0: It's it's true for I I don't know for what, but just being confused.
1: <laughs> I'm all tangled up in my cord.
0: I'm all tangled up in my cord. Okay.
1: It does sound like a like a good. Uh, phrase that somebody in the future would use often
0: yep i was re-listening to uh some episode of something like some episode of ours um where we decided that we were going to use the oh no maybe it was g5r i don't remember some podcast i was on where we decided we were going to use the phrase i'm so angry i could vomit bees
1: (laughs) (laughs) That, that sounds either uh like our heroes unlimited one I think it
0: might have been Heroes of the We spent a lot of time talking about enlarge and control insects. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I love those episodes so much. They're so much fun. Like, Jeff and John are great. Uh
1: Uh-huh.
0: They were the perfect guests to have for that, because they were like, we love this game, but we do not take it seriously. Uh Uh-huh. And my favorite is, like, they get to the point where they keep, like, making up rules just to annoy me. (laughs) And I'm like, I can't tell if you're lying or not.
1: No, you can't. Uh, Listen, I played that game so many times, and I understand probably maybe 0.5% of the vehicle combat rules.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Look, uh, do do you need it? No.
1: No, you just avoid going on vehicles and having fights. Right, there you go. We were forced to once in one adventure, and, and... that's Never again. Never again. <laughs> uh, Vehicle combat right. rules in Palladium, not even once. No,
0: not even once. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: All right. <sighs> well, now that we got that out of our system.
0: Yep. So angry and of bees. <laughs> <laughs> all
1: right. All right. I had it together.
0: <laughs> I'm Sorry. <laughs> And now you're so angry you could vomit bees. And now I'm
1: so angry I could vomit bees. <laughs> it's uh, a good phrase. It is a good phrase. Uh, I'm all tangled up in my cord over here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Oh my a couple God. more drinks of diet soda. Coffee. Coffee soda. Oh, <laughs> <gross. laughs> That's like one of those Jones sodas, right? Uh-huh. Today, introducing carbonated coffee. <laughs> gross. Okay.
1: Especially if it's like all hot.
0: Ew. <laughs> That's so gross. Right? I was thinking like an iced coffee beverage, <laughs> not like, no, gross.
1: I, I don't even know how that would work.
0: I don't know. I've never had a hot, I mean, I guess like you've had like a hot, you know, like a hot soda. Yeah. Yeah. Like every once in a while you go to like drink it and you're like, oh, you know, like in the summer or something. But I don't think it's still carbonated at that point. Well. Can you carbonate a hot beverage? Someone I'd, someone, write into this show.
1: Yep. Uh, and let me know. I'm sorry, dear listeners, for everything that we've forced upon your ears at the end yep. of this episode.
0: Yep. <laughs> Please know that it's the beginning of the recording for us. And we're like this and we haven't even started yet. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. For real this time. All right. For real. All for right. real.
1: For real. For for real, for real. Here comes the fingers. <laughs> Ew <laughs> 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 Okay, that's okay. <laughs> Cross that
0: one off the list. <laughs> that's a little bit naughty. <laughs>
1: Because I'm counting.
0: I know, but nobody can see that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I wasn't looking at the screen when you said
1: it. I apologize to your listeners. <laughs> huh? Oh, my God. Oh, this is going to be a high-energy episode. Game face. Okay. <laughs>
0: we didn't need all that caffeine. All. That's all right. Too late now.
1: Too late now. We're doing it live. <laughs> all right, here we go. Okay.